Thank you, Amanda, and good morning, or good day, depending on when you're watching this. Um, for the teaching, teachers, preachers, pastors are known for bringing a wheelbarrow full of stuff, <laughs> and you can't take it all away. I always, my goal for myself is just to take one nugget away from what I'm hearing. Yeah, that could even be in a conference. If I go to a conference, I just want to take just one thing away that I can maybe apply to my life. So that's my goal. And I hope that's your goal as well. Just one thing. So now aside from that, I love the fact that we targeted for $25,000 for coldest night of the year, which was, which was a fairly, you know, ambitious goal considering the time, the seasons we're in right now with the pandemic and stuff. And that's coming to a close, so that's good news. Or coming, you know, things are going to be opening up slowly, but we'll get there. And we're hitting at 41 plus and change right now. That is amazing and so refreshing to hear. So kudos to, again, to the team, to uh, Christine and her gang, and just the inspiration uh, that they gave everyone to do this and do it together as a community. So right on. Okay, so here's, an, here's a little tidbit side note for you too, if you haven't thought about it. In two weeks' time, the clocks will have moved ahead one hour. So don't forget that. So, that's, so spring is coming, and that's one sign of it. Okay, so let's get on with uh, the teaching for today. We're in a little bit of a series right now. It's a new series called Refocus, and God has been speaking to Cambridge Vineyard, well, particularly to myself and uh, Tab Fellman, about refocusing our attention to make sure that we are focused on the, what's supposed to be the main thing, that, right? And so we're going to unpack this with you over the next three weeks. And how it's going to look is we're going to start up looking at, you know, just asking how we ask God to search our hearts, God's response to us in that, and our response back to God. That's how it's going to be looking. And uh, it's not just about our faith community, because what I want to point out, this whole thing of God, can you come and take a look? That's for us individually as well. It's not, it's not just for us as a faith community. So with that in mind, so a question for you. Have you ever... You've seen it in movies and that, but have you ever had, you'd wonder what it'd be like to be able to take your phone and throw it as far as you can throw it, because <laughs> you see it sometimes in movies, people will smash it or people will throw it right out of whatever. It's, it's drama. But that thought of being able to just get rid of this just for a little bit of time, because I've had that thought, and just the imagine, you know, just think. No texts, no emails, no phone calls, no notifications, no, no playing games, no distractions, no nothing, right? Nothing. How sweet that would be, because what would you do? And at first it would be uncomfortable, it would be a little unnerving. After a while, you, I think you would get used, I think I would get used to being able to be with my thoughts, and then you'd have time to think some of those deeper thoughts that... Sometimes we need to think. You know, you, know, you know the questions, the meaning of life we talk about, but just be able to explore the, the whole thing of God, of life, of death, of purpose, meaning. You get to think those things without all the distractions. It would be sweet for just a little bit of time. 
the technology culture has created this acronym, this thing called FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. And uh, the thing with FOMO, see, if you didn't have a phone or tablet or any of that, we wouldn't even know what we're missing out on. But we have so much information at our fingertips now that there is this thing of, I might miss out on this, or I might miss out on that, right? We have all this stuff that, that goes on. And just imagine, if I didn't have that thing, I wouldn't know what I'm missing out on, <laughs> right? And this phenomena of the fear of missing out, it actually robs me of my time to be able to think and to ponder and to deeply consider questions I have about everything, right? And... Uh, and really, when you get down to it, so what if you're missing out on something? You can't engage in everything. We know that, but there's this thing we don't want to miss out on stuff, right? And a question for all of us I think we all need to ask is, how long has it been since you just sat with God? Just sat with God. How long has that been? And I don't mean studying the Bible or listening to your favorite celebrity preacher, teacher, pastor, whatever. And it's not about putting on worship music. I mean, just sat with God and been with God to just be. Because for most of us, I think it's true that those times are probably rare. And I want you to think of somebody from Scripture, well-known, King David. And I don't know if you've ever wondered, where did David get the inspiration to write the poetry that he wrote? Because I hope you understand that that Hebrew poetry that David wrote was phenomenal in the sense of poetry and writing goes very astute, very intelligent man. Where did that inspiration come from? Now, I know the answer would be, well, God would have inspired him. And yes, that's true. The inspiration would have come from God, but you do realize that we always say where you see God moving, you join God in that. That's faith. And David, to write what he wrote, would have joined God in that inspiration. And how would David have done that? Well, remember what his previous vocation was before becoming king. He was a shepherd. And shepherds, I don't know, I've never been one, but shepherds being out with their sheep, I'm guessing would have had a lot of time on their hands to think, to ponder. And you know, you think about it, what would a shepherd do if they wake up in the middle of the night and they can't get back to sleep? Well, you know what they would do, right? They would count sheep. <laughs> but seriously, they would, right? We think it's a joke. It's not really. Seriously, that's what they would do, right? But I actually do think what they would do, you'd be drawn to, is to look up into the night sky. Now imagine the night sky outside of a city. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's absolutely amazing. 
It's those experiences, those vistas with nature or with, with looking up into the night sky. It's those where all those deep questions of life rise up to the surface, right? Because it just draws that out of you as you look and you ponder. And you can imagine David just seeing that, right? And it would be at that moment that God would have had David's undivided attention to speak deep things into David's heart. And for that, that gifting of being able to write poetry to come through and flow through David and to come down on, you know, on pen and paper, I guess he wouldn't have been using a pen, but whatever David would have used back then. One of those Psalms is Psalm 139. And that psalm, like many of them, that comes from a heart that was not distracted, a heart that's not divided, a heart that was fully engaged with the presence of God and allowing God to come and speak. And here in that psalm, David raves about that the presence of God is literally everywhere. That's what David is saying, that if I go to the highest mountain peak, top of Mount Everest. You're there, God. If I go down to the depths of the ocean, you're there, God. You're everywhere. And David just expounds on this and just is moved by it. And I, and I believe if David was here today, writing Psalm 139, he would even say, God, if I, if I go to Mars, you are there. Because right now, Mars is in the news, right? With the landing of the robot there, and they're scoping out the planet there, which is fascinating in and of itself. But then David goes from there to the whole fact that God's presence was even in his mother's womb as he was being formed and knitted together. And David is just overwhelmed by the complexity and the beauty of the human body and just how wonderful and mysterious this human body is. And you just see this flowing from David, right? Just these words. But that's not what's notable about this psalm. What's notable about this psalm is how David bookends it, meaning how it starts and how it ends. And it starts with these words here. O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. David goes on and writes what he writes. And David concludes then with these words here. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David knew that God knew everything about him. And at the end, David invites God, asks God, requests God to go with him to search out everything that is in his heart because David knows that the ultimate goal that God is after is for David to experience the life that was always meant to be. And so David invites God. David pulls away with God. And together they go searching out David's heart. Which in the heart is the very essence of who we are as people. It's our core. It's our center. The very, the very deepest part of us, right? 
And it's one thing for God to know my heart. It's totally quite another thing for me to go with God and let God search with me, to search my heart, to see those places, right? The motives of my heart. It's exactly what God spoke to Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, where God says this, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Because you see, my actions flow from those motives, those things that are deep in my heart, right? And I need to search that out. It's not just the surface stuff, the behaviors. It's going deeper. God wants to go deeper. Why? Why do I respond the way I do? Why do I do? Why am I pulled to, to the way I do things, right? Why, why is that? And here's the thing. If you're going to do a, a heart search on yourself, there is no better person than to do it with God to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And the reason for that, we have to remember who God is, why God is the best person to do that with. And it's what Jesus told Nicodemus about God, where Jesus says to him, for this, Nicodemus, is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, who puts their full weight on him, will not perish but have eternal life. And God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. You see, here's the thing, and David knew this, that God is for us. God is not against. God wants to bring out the very best in us, and David knew this. David knew that from the bottom of his heart. The fact is, God is for you. God is for me. I've always said, God has never done me wrong. Never. God has never done me wrong. Never shamed me. Always loved me. As I look back over my life. And God points things out. Because God longs for you and me to have the real life. To be everything that we were meant to be. God wants to pour life into us. What's real life? It's like what Paul reminded the believers in Rome who were going through a lot of hardships, a lot of persecution. And and Paul told them that, remember, that the hard stuff that happens in our lives, the tough stuff, God will turn that around for good for you. If you just entrust your life to God, that God is for you. And those are the words that Paul wrote immediately saying that. Paul says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? That God turns things, the bad things around for good. If God is for us, who can ever, who can ever, be against us. Paul knew that. The bottom line is, you, me, we can trust God with our heart. God will not break our hearts. God will not betray us. God will not shame us. 
God is always for the better of us, wants to see the best in us. God is not against us. Tab and I, we spent a significant amount of time on our own, allowing God to speak to us about us and about, but about our church as well. And uh, then together, we came together and, we, and we, you know, we walked through things with God, asking God, inviting the Holy Spirit to come. Would you show us about our faith community? Show us where you want us to go, Lord, as far as, is there something else you want us to refocus on? And God has been faithful in showing us that, showing the leadership that, knitting us together as, a, as one body, one community. Even in the midst of this time where we have to distance, God has been knitting our hearts together. And never once did Tab and I ever sense any shame or anger or disappointment from God. It was God pointing things out and showing us, hey, here's where you should focus on. Here's what you should zoom in on. We just knew this love that God has for us, that God's behind us and ahead of us, around us, surrounding us. Now, speaking of searching your heart, for some of us, it may be a regular occurrence that you do with God. But my guess is, with the, with the distractions in life and the way life is, it's probably a challenge. In fact, for some, it's probably, you probably can't remember the last time you shut down all distractions and you said, Holy Spirit, come. Can you come with me and search my heart out? See what's going on in here. For myself, I need to have structure in place. And the reason I need to have structure in place, because take away structure from me, and I can tend to slide. Uh, I just do. And so the structure helps. It helps me get from point A to point B, which helps me grow in my growth. Now, for me, in this whole thing of heart examination, um, what has worked for me over the past, specifically this past year, but in my life, one of the things, and it's a tool. And before we uh, talk about this tool that I use, tools, these things, these a program or a spiritual exercise or any of that are tools to get us from point A to point B. It's like this. In my shop, I have saws and wrenches and screwdrivers and whatever in my, you know, and different power tools and that. And those things help me bring improvements to my house, right? And to do some woodworking projects, things like that. And when it's done, I admire the work that's been done. I don't go down to my shop and look at my tools and go, wow, aren't those tools ever wonderful and amazing? I don't do that. The tools are there to bring me from point A to point B, to get to, get to this place where I want to go. These are that. They're tools to get us to that place. And what this tool does for me, it's something I, I do daily with God to look at my heart from the previous day. And this is called the daily examine. Some people call it the prayer of examine or the uh, awareness examine. It's just reflecting back on the previous day. This is something you can do at any point in the day. Like it can be first, for me, it's first thing in the morning. First thing I do when I get up, I take 15, 20 minutes and I just do this examine with God. It's just intimate time I have. Just God and me looking back over my day, right? And for me, it's become so so important. And sometimes this can be just five minutes, or, but generally it's 15 to 20 minutes is what it takes. 
So what we're going to do right now is, and I want you to engage in this because it's so valuable. It's so simple, but it's so valuable. We're going to walk through. I'm going to do a shortened version. So it's not going to be 15, 20 minutes. So you don't have to worry about that. And we're going to walk through this. And then at the end of it, I'm going to end with a song. You'll see that comes up on the video. And I want want to just bring some context to the song. The song is a vineyard song. But it's, it's a song written by a girl from Lithuania. Her name is Carolina Curate, I think, Curate, something like that. I've probably butchered the last name, but that's okay. But it's entitled, You Give. And it's based on Isaiah 26.3, which says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. It comes from that. So here's some words that she says. Carolina writes, the background keeps repeating the theme of the verse while the melody asserts what we trust about him, his name, his will, his love, his word, his power, and many other things about him. The more we trust, the more our hearts are at peace. We crave peace, don't we? Good news, peace is a person. It's a person who is unfailing, unchanging, all-powerful, and extravagantly loving. May we who are his rest our hearts in him. So let's go into this time of just examine. There's five steps we'll take, and the first one is I welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we get ourselves into a comfortable position. By the way, If you have your phone, put it down. If you have your laptop, turn it off. Shut the lid. (laughs) Just no distractions. We let our muscles relax. We quiet our mind down. Take a deep breath. Deep breath. And just ask God to make his presence known to you right now. And feel this presence in and around you. Soak in it. God's presence, like David says, is everywhere. It's just us who have to become aware of that presence and make ourselves present with God. And we say, come Holy Spirit, light the fire of my heart. Teach me your ways. Show me the presence of God in my day. We now go to where was God in my day? And we ask God at this point to reveal all the gifts and graces, those little things God gave us yesterday. Think of yesterday, Saturday, or whatever yesterday is for you. Think of the little gifts, little ones and the big ones. Maybe it was the cup of coffee you enjoyed with a family member. Maybe it's the whole gift of, of life, of God sustaining you of love. Thank God for each of these gifts. Stay present with God and thank God. We now ask God to fill me with his love. And I ask God to be the leader of this prayer time rather than me judging my day 
or myself. We let God speak. We say, God, would you come and would you speak your words to me? Come, Holy Spirit. We then move to the next step is, where did I miss God yesterday? And we go hour by hour and review the day. And in my imagination, I relive each significant moment and I linger in the important moments and then pass quickly over the less relevant ones. Just go through your day. Think of those significant things that were really significant for you. And continue thanking God for the gifts that you find in your day. And I pause at any of the difficult moments that I may have experienced, whatever that is. I pay attention to missed opportunities when I could have acted in a certain way and I didn't. And, but I don't judge. I just acknowledge. I bring that to God. After spending some time there, move to the next step, which is my response for tomorrow. What's that all about? Well, it's as I go into the next day, I ask God to show me concretely how he wants me to respond or what he wants me to do tomorrow. What do you want me to do, Father? How should I be? You know what I'm going to, you know, maybe you already know some of the things you're going to be doing tomorrow. God, what is it you want me to do? What do you want me to be? And I ask God, what, what kind of person do you want me to be tomorrow, Father? And if I hear something, if I hear God's calling me, whatever it may be, I resolve to do that. And I ask God for his help. I say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you help me to be that? To step into that? To choose life? To choose the life you call me into? And then I just ask myself if there's any last words I want to say to Jesus. Anything I want to say. And generally, it's just one of the things is, thank you so much, Jesus, that you're always, you're always there to talk with me and to meet with me. And then I close, and it can be a prayer of gratitude, or it can be maybe saying the Lord's Prayer, or it could just be sitting quietly or, or humming a song, one of your favorite worship songs. But the prayer of gratitude is, I thank you, God, for promising to be with me, I thank you for delivering me from the evil one. And I thank you for your presence with me now. Thank you for a grateful heart, which sometimes can't find words to pray. And thank you, God, for saving me in Jesus Christ. Amen. And the song you'll hear is a different expression of music as far as worship music goes. And it's in Lithuanian. So you won't understand the words, but that's okay. And the reason I say that's okay is because we need to understand that God isn't a Western God, right, in the 20th and 21st century. God is infinite. God, the Holy Spirit, speaks through all languages, speaks through all cultures, through all expressions. And we need to be exposed to that, to see the beauty and the expanse and the things beyond our imagination and understanding, that the Holy Spirit is moving in hearts that are, that are turned towards God, wherever, whatever language, whatever culture, whatever expression that looks like. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you.
Oh, uh-huh.